again, everybody, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 2nd of September, 2012. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. One show thingy at a time or something like that. I don't know. Hey, buddy, what you got there? It's my iPhone. I'm listening to my shows. What's on here? Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm pretty good with computers and stuff. So you downloaded them using iTunes? No, I'm using Stitcher. M-O-O-N. That spells Stitcher. Oh. Well, how does it work? I don't know. Magic, I guess. I see. Did Uncle Pete put that on your phone for you? Yeah. I watched Spongebob yesterday. (laughs) He and Patrick were selling chocolate. Before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact the show, there's a couple of different ways to do so. The first would be to use our voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. I do use this voicemail for my other podcast, so when you are leaving a message, make sure that you mention that it is for Firearms Cafe. If you'd like to send in your own audio recording, or if you'd like to send in a regular email and have me read it for you on the show, I'd be more than happy to do that. The email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Also, guys, don't forget that you can go over to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, and you'll see that little pop-up icon to send a voicemail using your computer. You can just click on that. You can play it back, listen to it. Uh, you, I don't know if you can't really edit it, uh, but uh, before you send it off, if you thought it sounded really dorky or something like that, you could always uh, delete that and then redo it. I would love to hear from you guys. Any kind of feedback that I get, any type of reviews or anything that you guys do for the show, uh, I always get a super big charge out of that. So, Please feel free to uh, send in anything you want, and I will go ahead and play it for you on the air. On the last episode, we talked a little bit about some of the mass shootings, in particular what had happened at the theater in Colorado. And we got some feedback on where do you think is a good place to sit, where do you think is a good place to to be, you know, is it a good idea to, to go to a theater or a place after something like that has happened, or should you... Maybe stay away for a couple of days before you go out again, not into that theater to maybe avoid copycats and things like that. So we got a little bit of follow-up feedback, and I'll go ahead and play that now. Hey, Tony, this is uh, Trucker Bob, and I am calling concerning your firearms cafe. Uh, just listen to your last, uh, most recent episode of 76. And concerning the Aurora shooting, um, now one thing that I haven't really heard talked about, uh, we've all, all heard where you should sit, uh, by the aisles, uh, back, front, center. Uh, and most of the uh, common thought there is to sit by an aisle or closest to the exit. Now one thing I thought about, I try to what if things, and looking at that scenario when everybody was rushing the exits, uh, door opened and they were kind of silhouetted and it made a very target-rich environment. Uh, another thing I thought about, 
and I've heard from some of the podcasts that they will, uh, most people, it's pretty common, they want to sit on the edge. Um, I understand that, and that makes sense, but in my what-if world, uh, if it's a full theater and that pandemonium breaks uh, loose, if you're on the aisle and you are concealed carrying, uh, where are all those people going to be going that's uh, sitting in the center of your aisle? Are they going to be trying to come and crawl over you? Uh, you step out into the aisle, you're going to have people running down the aisle. Uh, the aisle is also a funnel for the act of murder. Uh, that's just another what if. Um, we weren't there, we don't know, but uh, one thing that I've kind of thought about is, like uh, you had said in your podcast, uh, sitting up in the very back row and in the center. If everybody's going to be running, they're going to be running for the aisles, and it does kind of leave you alone. Uh, so, yeah, if you're going to employ a weapon to try to stop it, uh, the seas might part, everybody running out towards the aisles. So that's just one thought I haven't really heard talked about much. And uh, your second caller that called in uh, was talking about women in training. And my wife is a firearms trainer. She teaches the uh, concealed carry for Oregon. And I fully agree that women do teach and learn a little different. And, uh, yeah, her, the response to her teaching has been overwhelming. It's been pretty amazing. Um, she teaches out of southern Oregon. And there's just not a lot of female instructors out there. So uh, I agree. That is a need that is in great demand. And uh, the response has been overwhelming. And not just with females, um, surprisingly enough. All right, Trucker Bob, thanks for that. Hope to hear from you again soon. All very good points, uh, especially, you know, a lot of times in these situations when we're kind of, running the scenarios in our head of if this happens, I would try and do this, or if that happened, I would try and go here, do this, or do that. And a lot of times in those situations, we see ourselves as as always being able to get to cover or always having that clear shot or the panic that's going around and the mayhem that's going around us isn't affecting us. And sometimes I think that we sort of forget about that these things are going to are, are very chaotic. I've never been in one. I I hope that I am never ever in anything like that type of a situation. But you still have to think about them. And I think that Bob made some really good points about if you do decide to sit on one side or the other, or whether you're in the middle of the theater, the top or the bottom. If panic does ensue and people are trying to get out, if you're close to that exit and for some reason that exit door didn't open up, are you going to get crushed? Are you going to get crammed? Are you going to get trampled on if you're you're in the aisleways going down leading out toward the exits? Uh, if you're heading down, let's say you're actually in the aisle and it's relatively clear and all of a sudden the people two or three rows in front of you start running up because they're just they're panicking. They're just trying to get out. Uh, and then other people start to follow them. Are you going to, you know, get again knocked down to the ground? So I think those are really good points about maybe, you know, 
sitting in the aisles and that, that aisle seat may or may not be a good idea. But again, it's hard to game out and know every situation. And, and on the last show, I had talked about for me, when I've kind of gone over everything, where I think a good place, and again, for me to sit, I like to sit all the way in the back and in the middle. So on that very top row, because then you've got no one is behind you. And if I'm kind of in the middle, I can sort of see everything that's going on around me. Uh, also, you know, when you think about it, as humans, we're kind of, we're hardwired to be sight hunters. So if you were kind of up in that middle, that upper deck, up in the middle a little bit, and you just sort of drop down, now the seats aren't really going to give you cover. It's going to give you concealment because those seats wouldn't wouldn't stop uh, around. But hopefully if nobody sees you, nobody's going to want to shoot at you. And if everybody is running down or running around and there's panic and they're trying to get to the exit, if you're lucky enough, maybe the shooter, because we are sight hunters and we're attracted to motion, is going to be drawn to that movement. Uh, which, you know, again, in turn, you could always duck behind the seats no matter where you are. But if you're on that aisle or on the, one of the ends... Are you going to, if that was your plan, to maybe maybe duck down and hide a little bit and gather yourself? Are you going to be able to do that? Or are you going to be getting trampled? So, uh, again, all really good points, Bob. Uh, as far as your reference to women in training, that was uh, also from the last show. And that was uh, from the uh, feedback we got from Lawrence. And uh, I'm glad your your wife is a trainer. I think that's one thing that we need. And I think that's actually one thing that, that we're going to see a lot more of as time goes on. It seems that more and more, more women are getting involved in firearms ownership and they're getting involved with self-defense. They're understanding, uh, as I've said on this show many times, that if a situation goes down, you are going to be the person who's responsible for your own safety. Nobody's going to get there fast enough, really, to help you out in that type of a situation because you're talking sometimes maybe a five or ten second window of opportunity to react, uh, or maybe a thirty second if you're lucky. Uh, but usually, a lot of times these things happen and they're over within the first minute. Um, either the bad guy has accomplished his goal and taken your money or your car or whatever or in the worst case scenario in that uh, first minute they've maybe gained control over you uh, especially if you're defenseless if you don't have any options then you're going to be at the mercy of people that really don't have a lot of mercy built into them uh, so anyway getting back to the uh, women as far as uh getting more involved in firearms and getting more involved in training. Uh, one of the things I like to do is I like to watch a lot of YouTube videos when I have the time. And what you're actually seeing a lot more of is there's a lot more women that are doing videos uh, that are firearms related, but they're also prepping related, uh, getting prepared. Um, so you're seeing that a lot more women are I don't even know if it's the right thing to say that they're becoming awake like like the rest of us. 
uh, or it's a thing of they're feeling more comfortable being more being more out or more verbal about it, uh, which is always a good thing. And again, uh, I had said before uh, many, many, many episodes ago about if you want gun culture to change or you want it to go to that next level, what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to have women involved, uh, basically of all ages, but you're but realistically, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get sort of the the current young generation, so the girls that are probably 10 to 12 years old, they'll have need to have been exposed to firearms and firearm culture, and you know at an early age, and that's what we're seeing that a lot of the, a lot of girls um, are going out with their dads. Uh, and learning how to shoot and learning how to do stuff and they're being exposed to again the gun culture which was something that in the past when I was a kid you didn't see very many women involved in shooting if they were you know maybe they would uh, they would go out and kind of watch but they would very rarely shoot more than once or twice at least that's kind of how it was in my family Uh so anyway, you know, you, you watch a lot of these videos and you watch a lot of stuff. And it's still, it's not necessarily what I'd say is the norm. It's still kind of rare, but it's it's getting less and less rare, so to speak. And I think that probably in the next 10 to 15 years, a lot of those girls who are 8, you know, maybe 8 to 12 now are going to be taking over some leadership roles. And then especially as some of those girls that are between the ages of, let's say, you know, 12 and 15 or 16, 10 to 15 years from now, as they are becoming adults and have their own families, having firearms in the home and being exposed to firearms and being of the mindset that you you need to defend yourself and that you're you're basically going to be on your own is going to be something that it will be a normal way of thinking for them so that you're going to see less and less women and in general less and less people i guess i should probably say that are going to have a, a fear of firearms or going to or or that are going to have the willingness to believe that firearms are the problem and it's not the individuals using the particular firearms to do bad things is the problem. And I think my daughter is going to be one of those. In fact, if you go over to my YouTube channel, which is uh, 525Donuts, D-O-N-U-T-S. I know it's goofy, but when I was signing up, you had to uh, all the stuff I wanted was taken, so I just through some numbers and donuts, and so I, it, it came up said, hey, you can have that. But anyway, if you go over there, I've got a video, and I think I've talked about it before on the show, but I've got a video entitled, I think it's First Shot, but if you go over to my channel, there's a, uh, not too many videos over there anyway, but you'll be able to see kind of her first day out shooting, and uh, we went with a, a friend of mine and his daughter, and they're the relatively the same age. And they had a really good time, uh, and it's just a short little clip. So, uh, again, go over there, check that out. And, uh, but, you know, it kind of goes back to we uh, we have some friends that 
they don't want firearms in the home because they think they're dangerous. And then we have some other friends that are more kind of along uh, my view of thinking or way of thinking, which is, well, they're not they're not dangerous if they're properly stored and your kids are properly educated about them. When my daughter was very, very young, I uh, we would do little tests and I we would talk about guns and I would just kind of put this into her head over and over and I would you know tell her the gun safety rules and and things like this and even when she was really young and probably really couldn't get the concepts of them the main thing I wanted drilled into her head was that if she ever saw a gun a gun was laying out that uh, she wouldn't touch it and then she would leave and leave the room and go get an adult so much like that I think it's what is it the Eddie Eagle thing that the NRA does uh, so I took a kind of a page from that book. And what I would do is a lot of times I would take a uh, a handgun of mine and I would make sure that there was no ammunition, no magazines anywhere, and I would lock the slide back. And I would have her go in the other room. And when we first started doing it, I would tell her, I'm going to put a gun on the table and I want you to come out and see it and then I want you to do what we talked about. And so... Once she got to where she could do that, what we would do is about once a week, I would have her go in her room. Uh, I'd say, oh, go in your room and look and see you know, where your socks are or whatever. And then I would have the gun prepared to where I would take the magazine out. There'd be no ammunition in it. And I would put it on the floor or put it over by the couch or something like that. And then I would go stand in the kitchen or something where I could see her. And then she would come back in. And then when she would see the gun... I would see if, you know, if what she would do. And so, and she would always say, oh, daddy, there's a gun over here. And I'd say, well, what? There is, and where is it? And she'd point it out and do all that stuff. And then I would quiz her. Well, what would you do if you were at a friend's house? And then she would say, you know, oh, I, would, I wouldn't touch it, and I would go get an adult. And I would say, well, what if you were with one of your friends and they wanted to show it to you? What would you do? And, you know, again, you have to do this stuff with them over and over and over again to where it becomes second nature. And if you've done this stuff with them, let's say all the way up until they're six years old or seven years old, and you think that they've got it, you still got to do this stuff. You still have to do little tests and quizzes and let them know, even though you know they're going to roll their eyes and say, look, I know what to do. But it's something that needs to be reinforced over and over and over again. Um, you know, we're, Especially as your kids get older and they're going to be going over to other people's homes and somebody may not be as vigilant or as diligent as you in keeping their firearms locked away and inaccessible when they're not on their person. So I also did this these little tests with her. I would take a, um, I have an old bolt action shotgun and I would take the bolt out and then I would leave that on the, you know, on the floor, prop it up somewhere and then as, as she, so that she would get used to not just seeing a handgun, but rifles and shotguns, and they, they were always unloaded and always safe and all that stuff. And usually what I would do is I would, I would disable them so that there would be no way for her to pull the trigger or do anything like that. Uh, so anyway, I think kind of getting back to what we were talking about before, as she gets older, their guns aren't going to be a mystery to her. It's going to be something that she was brought up with. And uh, in her family, when when she gets married and has a family one day, 
she is probably going to choose somebody, although you never can tell, but she'll probably choose somebody that is going to have similar beliefs, somebody that is not going to be anti-gun or, or that type of thing. So, again, it's a long way of getting around talking about how it's a good thing of, of that we've got more women getting involved now, but I think especially 15, 20 years from now, we're really going to see a, a fundamental change. Uh, but in order for that to happen, we have to still maintain and have those rights. My uh, uncle had sent me an email, kind of speaking of the uh, politics things, and he sent me a thing. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, there were some quotes that he had sent me, and they were like on gun control or something like that. And I can't find, I can't find it right now. But anyway, um, what they said was it was a thing from. I want to say it was Pericles, and again, I, I, I may have the name wrong, but that's, I guess that's really not that important. But anyway, it was a quote attributed to him in 430 B.C., so 430, 430 years before the birth of Christ. And what the quote said is, you may, and I'll paraphrase it here a little bit, it said, even though you may choose to ignore politics, politics may not choose to ignore you. So again, we always talk about getting involved, um, and especially with me, I, I think it's important to, on on a local level, when whenever you have the opportunity or the ability to try and vote somebody in who you think is best going to represent your beliefs, and of course, for the people listening to this show, that's going to be a belief in firearms ownership, firearms uh using firearms as defensive tools and being able to carry firearms pretty much anywhere. And we see, you know, the other day I drove by, I was driving by the, the post office and I thought, man, what a, what a nonsensical thing that if I drive through in my vehicle with a, a, a firearm and I drop off a letter in their little post office box, you know, that you can kind of, some of them have those things where you can drive through. The way that the law is, the way that my understanding of the law is, is that at that point you would be a felon because you're on their property with a, with a loaded firearm. It wasn't, you know, disassembled or this or that. And I just thought that is such a ridiculous, nonsensical thing. And again, you know, like most gun laws that we look at, it doesn't apply to the criminals. It doesn't apply to people who have ill intent or ill will. Um, all it's going to do is it's going to make sure that the people who were willing and wanted to obey the law, if something does go down in that area, you're dead. You've got you've got no hope you, you you just have to roll the dice and hopefully the guy runs out of ammunition or you can run faster and sounds horrible to say but while he's shooting somebody else you're able to get out alive and uh, i was thinking the other day too of uh of schools and i think uh, in utah 
I think you can carry if you've got the concealed carry permit there uh, on school property at uh, certain places. Uh, I, I know, I th- at least I'm pretty sure I know that the uh, somebody had sent in some feedback with us for a, on a previous show talking about some of the gun laws there. And from what I remember, they were saying that if it's a private school, that in- institution can can ban it. I don't know if it has necessarily force a law, meaning if you would it would be a misdemeanor if you went on there or only a misdemeanor if you were made with a firearm and they told you to leave and you didn't do it. So I, anyway, uh, but I know in Utah you can carry at certain schools uh, as long as they're public schools. But it got me to thinking that, you know, again, that's another kind of ridiculous, nonsensical law, especially there's some places in the country where you can't be within a thousand feet of a school. And I was thinking when I was driving down the road the other day and I was going by a school, I was looking at some of the houses across the street. And I'm thinking, well, those guys are a thousand feet. And I was watching some people walk down the sidewalk. And I think, well, those guys are within a thousand feet. They're on the sidewalk. They're not necessarily on school property. But, you know, if, if they're within that that gun-free zone, you know, are you making them, making them criminals? So anyway... I guess it's a long way around, too, of saying uh, try and get involved in some local stuff. Maybe you can make a little bit of a difference there. Uh, I've made my kind of my feelings known on uh, what I'm going to do on these upcoming elections, which will be here soon, and uh, we'll see what happens. I uh, I still think it's probably a, a 50-50 thing, and I'm actually starting to kind of Unfortunately, think it's going to maybe lean towards uh, getting a second term of Obama, and uh, which is, which will not be good for us. And like I've said before, if something like that happens, look for a uh, a second gigantic wave of people buying firearms, people buying ammunition, people buying components. People buying reloading things. So that, that's what I mean by components is for reloading, dies are going to disappear for 9mm, for 45, for 380, um, for 223 or 556, for uh, although not as many people reload for the AK round, which is 7.62 by 39. There are dies that you can get for it and you can get the actual bullets. Um, I think Winchester and Remington both make actual brass, and I know there's probably some bulk ammo that you can that you can start to get. So there are going to be some people out there. Let's say if you, it's it's a lot more expensive, of course, than buying the bulk the uh, let's say like the Russian stuff or the surplus stuff. But if you had maybe a thousand rounds of the brass, and then you had components to be able to reload your stuff, uh, you've in effect probably got about 5,000 rounds of, of reloadable stuff, uh, and maybe even more than that. I know some people say after you reload them four or five times, you should probably ditch the brass. Other people say, you know, reload them until the brass fails, that type of stuff. So, uh, and I don't know, I, I uh, all the reload stuff I've done, I've never had a problem with. In fact, I'm talking about my videos, if you go back on there, and, and uh, there's one that says Glock fail, well, not really, is the title of it. And you just see me having just failure to feed, failure to eject, uh, tons and tons of stuff 
Actually, I don't know if I really had lots of failures to feed. I, well, I did have a few on there. I did have a few. I'll take that back. It's been so long since I've even washed it or a long time ago when I did the thing. But anyway, it was basically all due to underpowered ammo. And I, I explained a little bit on the end. But what I was trying to do was figure out what was the minimum amount of powder that I could have in the gun and still make it run. Uh, of course, if it was a, a revolver that was designed to take that type of ammunition, you know, the uh, auto the 9mm uh, ammunition in a revolver if you had the moon clips or stuff or if you had the, the cylinder honed for it. Um, that it still would have fired. It would have been a lot less uh, feet per second and a lot less energy delivered, but in a revolver it would have fired. Um, and the rounds would actually fire and leave the gun, but they just couldn't cycle it because the, the, there wasn't enough pressure to force the slide back, which was basically what was happening. Uh, so let's see what else is going on. I'm about ready here to call it to a close. I don't think I got any other um, emails or feedback or anything for the show. And I can't, you know, I got one. It's an older one. And I'm pretty sure I talked about it. Um, but Anthony from... Uh, from New York sent in a thing where he was talking about that guy, the elderly guy that uh, I think they're at the Internet Cafe is what he was talking about. Um, and uh, you, you can find that on, on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, but there was these guys that came in to rob an Internet Cafe, and I think the guy was 70-some-odd, 71 or 72, something like that. And he, I think he had a little Ruger LCP. And uh, the two guys that came in, one of them had, was armed with, I think, a firearm. And it's been a while since I can't, really, I can't really remember all the details. And the other guy had a maybe like a club or something or I don't know. Uh, and anyway, this guy fought back, shot him, and then they, uh, they, they took off running. And some people would say, oh, yeah, you know, that's why that 380 is no good, you know, because he shot those guys and they didn't just, you know, drop to the ground and twitch. They could still run out and they could still do this and do that. But... The reality is that guy fought back, and the bad people left. Uh, so any any very bad things that would have happened once they felt that they were in charge uh, didn't happen uh, because he was able to exercise his rights. Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. Kind of speaking of that, the uh, recent thing in New York where the uh, the two officers, uh, while engaging the the guy that had uh, that had killed his coworker, ended up shooting or wounding maybe nine, I think, bystanders. And people have been all over the cops about, oh, they need more training, which is true. Uh, but they're making the point that in in a city like New York, where especially in New York City, where you really just, uh, unless you're an elite or a criminal, you're not going to have, or a policeman, you're not going to have a firearm on you. You're not, you don't really have that ability. Uh, but as we see in the little sur surveillance video or whatever, uh, I hesitate to call it security video. I'll call it what it actually is, surveillance video. You see the guy, the murderer, who had just killed his coworker is walking you see the cops come up behind him there's some people sitting on a bench and there's people just walking by kind of on the 
if you were watching the screen on the right-hand side of the screen. The guy uh, probably, I think, I don't know if the police gave were given him verbal commands, so the guy turned out, he reaches into his, like a little satchel or briefcase, pulls out a handgun, and points it at him. At that point, those guys both, the, both the policemen both draw their weapons and fire on the guy. And as they're, as they're doing this, the people on the bench get up and they run. And the guy, the murderer, kind of cuts and goes toward, starts running and goes kind of toward the right-hand side of the screen. And you see people actually running behind him, and then he goes off out of the camera range. And, and you see the cops are just bang, 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 and shooting the guy. You know, it's, it's hard for me to, to blame them for shooting, some, shooting back at somebody who's got a firearm pointed at him who they know just killed somebody. Uh, having said that, part of their job, though, is to make sure that they're getting rounds on target, make sure that it's that they have that it's safe to shoot behind or rel- as safe as it can be. And uh, again, it's one of those things where man, it's a hard in one way it's easy to I guess I just in one way it's easy to criticize it. in another way, it's very hard to criticize something like that because what would you do if someone who you knew, was pointing that gun at you and you were able to get your gun out and you think, well, this dude's going to shoot me or, you know, everybody, you know, they talk about you get the tunnel vision and things like that. Uh, and I guess, you know, maybe the the criticism you could lay at the feet of the police would be that this is their job, this is what they're supposed to do, so they should be trained for it. But, of course, training costs money. Uh, most police departments, and, and I've talked about this on previous shows, you have a lot of guys that are trained up really, really well and are real high-speed guys and that are aware of a lot of things. And then you have other guys that the gun is just, it, it, you know, it's part of the uniform. Uh, they'll use it if they have to, but they don't really train a lot with it, and they kind of have been led to believe that the training that they got at the academy and, and when they have to go in and qualify once a year, that refresher is pretty much all they need. And partially, the blame of that is maybe their department. Uh, you could say, well, you know, if their department is telling them, hey, all you need to do is uh, qualify, if you, if you can qualify, you're good enough uh, type thing. You know, otherwise, we would, we would obviously be training you more if, if you actually needed it. So, but anyway, Lots of lots of people got injured. Lots of people got hurt, uh, and of course, they the the media was trying to spin it at first that it was you know this big mass shooting, which of course it wasn't. Well, I guess in theory it kind of was since people, a mass amount of people got shot. Uh, but you know, and that's another thing. I know I'm rambling here a little bit, but I think I I forget whose show I was listening to. It may have been. Uh, the unnamed trucker, or the unknown trucker, whatever it is, I can't remember. Anyway, I think it was him. I think it was good old Tut. And he was talking about that in Chicago, uh, during that weekend or something, there had been something like 19 shootings. 
And when I when he said that, it really struck me that you know you have this city where there's there's all these restrictions and all this stuff, and it's very difficult for somebody to carry a firearm legally. It's easy to do it illegally, hard to do it legally. And the media makes huge, big deals about when you have shootings of, of uh, like what happened in the theater and at the schools, and they're terrible tragedies. But it's terrible tragedies for those other people who were shot as well. And they don't really seem to report on that or, or make a big a deal of it. Um, the politicians don't gather for those 19 people that got shot over the weekend or during the week. And their lives are just as valid. I don't valid is not the right word. Their lives are just as precious and just as, uh, I'm stumbling for the right word, but you know what I mean. They, they have worth and, and, uh, and value. And they have families just like the other people, but just because they weren't all shot in one building at the same time, they're not going to get the press. They're, uh, part of doing business and part of it is it's uh whether you'd want to admit it or not a lot of times it's the location of where they live and who they are what color their skin is a lot of times we talk about like the whole blow up with chick-fil-a i know this is old news but uh anyway we talk about things like gay rights or women's rights or gun rights or this, that, and the other thing. But what we should be talking about, and this is one of the things that I liked about Ron Paul, one of the things, and, and uh, to an extent some of the libertarian philosophy, and some Democrats haven't, Democrats, <laughs> Democrats and some Republicans, very few, but some buy into this philosophy of that we shouldn't, there shouldn't be really special rights groups that what we should be doing as a society is saying, as a human, we all have certain rights. So it doesn't matter if you're gay. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're Asian. It doesn't matter if you're uh, male or female. As humans, we have certain rights. And if, as a human, your rights are being trampled upon, then something should be done about it. That's really when government should be stepping in and saying, oh, everybody else gets to come into this building but not you? Well, that's not right. You know, everybody else gets to use this form of transportation but not you? Well, that's not right, and we need to address that. So it's for everybody or it's, you know, uh, and that's that's how you should do it instead of looking and saying, oh, you should have gay rights or you should have women's rights or you should have you know this, that, the other thing, uh, which I tend to agree with. But unfortunately, and it's not just in American society, it's all over the world, there aren't too many people that, when it comes down to it, really believe in human rights. Because if you believe in human rights, what you're really saying is, I don't need to believe in gay rights, I don't need to believe in men's rights or women's rights or people that are handicapped or disabled or whatever you want to call it. I, you know, it, 
we should try and say is that per is, did that person get trampled upon? Did that person get treated less than somebody else? And if they are, then we need to address that. And so you don't necessarily give levels. So you don't have hate crimes. You don't, and you don't punish it more for, you know, murder should be murder. Rape should be rape. Vandalism should be vandalism, in, in my opinion, and you should punish them for that crime. And then people will say, well, what about somebody who their shop gets vandalized because they're they're Jewish? Or what about somebody who, and that was the only reason they got targeted. And so the guy that does, they'll call that a hate crime and they give that person more time or make him pay more restitution or something, I don't know. But then what about if, if it's a, a black guy and he throws a brick through another black guy's window? Shouldn't he be held to that same standard or shouldn't? You know, I guess maybe the punishment fit the crime. Anyway, let me know uh, what you guys think. If you agree, disagree, think I'm full of it, uh, call in or write in or go over to the website and click on that little button on the right-hand side of the screen and uh, let's have some feedback for the show. Also, before I close here, one last thing. I am starting to experiment with Kydex, and uh, I'm still in the process of learning the ropes and I still need to get a couple of pieces of equipment as most of you guys know that listen to this show or to my other show which is the armed ape I'm kind of a cheap guy I like to get things on sale and at a discount and uh, I've been able to get a lot of the equipment that I needed it at actually really good prices and what I'm looking for now is a, a, a tabletop bench sander um, so it has like a circular disc and then it has like a long belt. And I'm looking for trying to get uh, one of those. So hopefully in the next week or so I'll be able to do that. So I'll actually be able to to uh, get a nice good finished edge and, and make the products that I'm going to be making uh, look nice. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be going up to the uh, MAG-40 class up in Utah. I saw a tweet I think from uh, Masad saying that there may be a couple of uh, spots open. I don't know if there still are, um, but if you'll follow him over on Twitter, uh, you'll be able to see, and you could probably even just, uh, just go ahead and tweet him and, uh, he'll be able to tell you. And in fact, let me pull up his, uh, his Twitter account and, uh, see here bump I know this is very exciting stuff but if you uh, over on Twitter you can um, follow him uh, just at Masad Ayub all one word M-A-S-S-A-D A-Y-O-O-B and uh, on August 31st, oh, he was talking about the one at, uh, that Hottaway is going to be doing in Arkansas. But anyway, if you're out there, um, there's still some spots open. So that's something that uh, 
I'm very excited about being able to go to the one in Salt Lake. So the Salt Lake one may actually be um, may actually be full up. So maybe I'm kind of talking out the wrong end here. Uh, but anyway, if you get a chance, go ahead and uh, look into that. And if you're going up, also if you're going to be at the uh, Salt Lake City one, which is the I think the 26th through the 29th, shoot me an email or uh, contact me through the show and uh, maybe we can have a meet up or do a, I don't know if we'll be able to do a lunch, but maybe we can all sit together at the table one day or something. Uh, so anyway, I think that is about it. Was there any, there was something else. Oh, uh, I know what it was. There, if you listen to uh, Liberty or Zombie podcast, they're not part of the network, uh, but I like their show. I like those guys. They were looking to try and um, get their FFL license and maybe start. I don't know if they're actually going to have a an actual gun store, if they're going to do maybe stuff online at first. Uh, but anyway, you can go over to their website, which is libertyorzombie.com, and I think they're going to start up another podcast called Level Up Firearms, and uh, eventually I think they'll... They, I'm sure they'll have a website and stuff like that. So hopefully, but I think a lot of that is if they get uh, approval for FFL, and I don't really know how long that stuff is going to take. But on their last episode, uh, they were talking about that. So uh, give those guys a, 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 a listen, check them out. Also, tons of stuff over on uh, Gun Rights Radio Network. Um, lots and lots of shows, almost too many to <clears throat> excuse me to mention. Uh, so you can head over there. It's also linked over on the site on uh, firearmscafe.com if you want to go over there and check out the forums and stuff like that. So uh, lots of guys like uh, my buddy Ken who does Rimfire Podcast. you got the New Shooter Podcast, the Unnamed Trucker Podcast. Um, there's gun Politics and Guns, uh, and I know I'm leaving lots of people out. So um, Let's see. I can't think of anybody else right now. Uh, but anyway, tons of people over there. Lots of stuff. And um, I think now, finally, I will bid you guys adieu. And I will talk to you guys next time. Take care. If you want to make a move, then you better come in. It's just a ability, that reason that we're so
was giving him superhuman strength. Oh, Teddy!